Hi there, I'm Dallas Travers, and you are listening to Coaches on a Mission. This show is for values-driven coaches who want to quiet the noise, get to work, and build a business that's authentic, profitable, and most importantly, one that makes a difference for people. So if you don't already subscribe to the show, please take three seconds to do that now. It may seem like a small thing, but it helps me get Coaches on a Mission into more earbuds. Now, if you've ever asked yourself, how am I supposed to make more money in my business? You're in for a treat. My guest is Katie Chen Mazzara, who's a trauma-informed, certified financial wellness coach. Katie helps creative freelancers and entrepreneurs release generational traumas and fears so that they can find emotional and financial freedom. Katie was actually first on the podcast all the way back in one of our very first episodes, which we recently re-aired because that conversation belongs on the greatest hits list over here at Coaches on a Mission headquarters, believe me. So here we are nearly 200 episodes later, and Katie is back. Her business looks entirely different, and she's truly a thought leader now in the financial wellness space. And like a lot of coaches, Katie has hit a revenue plateau in her business. Now, this plateau, it's got a beautiful view, but Katie's ready for the next level. As I said in the episode, oftentimes the actions that got you where you are, got you this far in your business, become the things that we need to release in order to go further, which was kind of sort of the case for Katie. More specifically, Katie and I needed to review the customer journey folks take before they invest in her program so that we could identify any gaps at the top of her funnel, any easy opportunities in the middle of the funnel, and of course, higher conversion rates and bigger profits at the bottom of the funnel. And that's precisely what we did during this very actionable conversation. So we started with this important question. If money is stuck, where else am I stuck? Toward the end of the conversation, we landed on another question. What do I do now and where can I go deeper? So if your goal is more revenue in 2024, don't miss a word of this episode and be sure to check the show notes because the doors to Katie's incredible mentorship program open up this month. I'm a graduate myself of that program and I can't think of a wealth abundance and money program out there that holds a candle to the work that Katie's doing. Okay, so with that, let me introduce once again, Katie Chen Mazzara. Hey, Katie, welcome back to Coaches on a Mission. The last time you were here, it was the Six Figure Coach podcast. And you actually, I remember, I think you were the second or third person I recorded with, and you ended up being episode number six. So Mm -hmm. it's really cool to have you back. Thanks so much for being here. Oh, I'm so excited to be back. And a lot has changed since way back then. If you don't mind, I feel like a great place to get started would be to just ask you, to tell our listeners a little bit about who you serve and the work that you do. And then can you share what you want to work on today in our coaching conversation? Yeah, absolutely. So I serve creative freelancers and entrepreneurs, and I help them to make more money, worry less about it, and to achieve true financial freedom so that they can create the life of their dreams. 
That's beautiful. And so much of your work is trauma-informed, yes. which I think is one of the important things that sets you apart from other financial coaches out there. I, I know a lot of people who you have worked. I have actually even gone through your program, and the work you do is awesome. So what are we working on today? Well, it's funny that I say I help others to make more money because <laughs> I think that's the conversation we're going to have today. And it's really around like as a business owner, I was doing really well. And being in your program, I've been pretty much doubling my income every single year. Then I kind of hit a ceiling and it's it's stayed the same in the last two years and and now I'm you know coming up to the third year and I'm like okay like what what am I doing or how am I able to break through that ceiling and I want to get to that next level and I have a membership course and it's staying around the same numbers which is great however I would love to increase that also to be able to help with that revenue Got it. Okay. So you have been doubling your business revenue for the last few years, and then you're now at this glass ceiling and you can't quite seem to break through. Even even if the expectation is no longer to double, you want to see significant yes. growth year after year. Okay. Exactly. So the first question that comes up for me, I hear you loud and clear that you've hit a glass ceiling when it comes to revenue. If you think about the other let's call them departments in your business, right? Mm -hmm. Are there other departments or areas other than the metric of money where you feel you've also hit a glass ceiling? For example, list growth. Oh, yes. And so, well, in some ways, I mean, list growth has always been a little bit slower for me because in the beginning before I had my membership with one-on-one -on -one clients, I never felt like I needed to have a yeah. list. I was getting a lot of referrals. And then you have a great system. I mean, client surge is actually the best thing for any <laughs> any coach who's working on their one-on-one -on -one, uh, clients. You know, it just, it's a magical system that actually really brings in people without having a list. So... Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for yeah. that commercial break. So now back to our <laughs> pro regular scheduled programming. <laughs> okay. So list growth is a beast, right? Yes. But if you look at through the lens of the income being stuck in the last couple of years, how much of a connection is the stuckness of your list growth mirroring the stuckness of your revenue, hmm. if at all? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I don't know, to be honest, because mm -hmm. I feel like my list, it kind of is like one of those things where it feels like it's a, its own separate beast. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and I don't know how to, <laughs> I don't know exactly like how to really increase that in an easier way. I mean, I do a five-day challenge every year and that's a great list growth thing for me. However, I do a little soft launch at the end of that and then you know, 75 people <laughs> drop off on the, on the list, you know, yeah. once I get, hit the sales part. And so it's like, okay, I kind of go forward and then backwards and then forward and backwards. And then I've also scrubbed my list. And so, it, yeah, that one feels like, like its own, its own thing. I got it. Is there anywhere else, just even intuitively, when you look at your business where things also feel stagnant? 
I'm not sure where else it Mm -hmm. kind of feels stagnant because, yeah, everything else feels like I'm growing because I've, you know, increased my team. I've had kind of ups and downs and the whole team building thing. And now I feel like I'm, you know, in a groove where I have a very good team. Yeah. And I'm excited about that. So that's been building and growing and doing really well. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm not sure where else I feel Great. stagnant. Great. That's actually really good to know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. Sometimes our, I know in my own experience, my bank account can reflect if it's growing, it's such a it's such a mirror, right? Mm-hmm. For how I'm growing. What's mm-hmm. that that saying your uh, business growth cannot exceed your personal growth, right? Yes. Right. So- Yeah. So speaking about that, something sparked that is that, and I talk about this too, is like sometimes in in our emotional life, right? Like our financial life is sort of that reflection of our emotional life. And, And in the last two years, I've had a lot of losses and I've had some health challenges and you know i've i've had two deaths in the family so mm-hmm. that also i think has been a major contributor to really not going full out in my business and not even feeling like i, I need to do more or to try and find different solutions to you know the income issue <laughs> yeah oh i'm sorry to hear about your losses katie Yeah. Okay. I have a couple of things I want to share to create context for you, but also for our listeners. I have talked about this over the years, but what I know for sure being in business for a long time is there are seasons of expansion and there are necessary seasons of containment. So if all we're doing is doubling our income year after year, that's a balloon that at some point could burst. And it could could burst in all sorts of ways, burnout, or even just you're running your business on your laptop, which is just not enough infrastructure. (laughs) (laughs) So we are, uh, I'm always grateful for the seasons of containment. Right. So I grow, I grow, and then I tend to stay put for a year, for two. Sometimes it's been as many as six. And once I start growing again, I really understand and appreciate why I was in a containment phase. So it sounds like if that theory is true, you were expanding, expanding, you took some time to contain while you got your the right team in place, while you mourned the loss of relatives and moved through some health issues that needed your attention. Mm-hmm. And now it sounds like here you are again, ready to expand. Mm-hmm. How does that land as you hear me share that theory? Yeah, that sounds right. And what's coming up for me is this feeling of a butterfly, right? Like, you know, yeah, when you're in that cocoon and the uncomfortableness, right? Like of being in that. And I don't know, there's some science about like how it's very painful when you're in that chrysalis stage (laughs) too, Mm. you know. Completely, completely. Okay, so welcome to the next season of expansion. We're here. Mm. Mm-hmm. The this is important, and this came up on a hive call just last week. 
I think often for those of us who are ambitious entrepreneurs, that's you, that's me, that's everybody listening, we often, when we have a goal, it's easier to focus on the problems to solve related to that goal instead of the opportunities to seize. Hmm. But if expansion and containment, expansion and containment is how it's supposed to go, there may not be a problem to solve here, just a bunch of opportunities to see. So I'm going to put that mindset on as we have our conversation so that we can uh, use our like creative intelligence to look at how to expand with more ease rather than just problem solving. Does that feel aligned for you? Um, it feels totally aligned. I, I really love that to seize Great. opportunities rather than solve problems. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we are, our goal is to break through an income glass ceiling. What I know from all the coaches that I have mentored, from coaches who have mentored me, even from my own business, a couple of things are true. Breaking from 60K a year past the six-figure mark is a turning point. And again, 125K up past 200, 250, that's another turning point. It happens again at 250, again at 500, again at 750 into seven figures, right? And I just see it over and over again. And what I know to be true is the things that got you where you are right now, when it comes to the way you show up and even, I don't want to say mindset, it's like how you operate. Those are the things that you need to let go of in order to get to the next level. Yeah. So for coaches who are past the six-figure mark and now really moving into high six figures, we have to be careful. And I don't even need to tell you this, but this is more for our listeners. When you're making enough money to invest, we tend to throw money at every problem. So suddenly we have a whole bunch of contractors, right? And we're signing up for extra coaching programs. And so the business is making money, but we are not. You're a, a money coach. So I know that's not the, the problem for you, but I wanted to share that for our listeners. I want to look at this through two lenses if it lands for you. One would be, what are we going to do? in order to bring in more revenue? And then the other one is, who do you need to be in order to support those actions? <laughs> Got it. Okay. So if we look at your funnel, there are three phases. We have the top of your funnel. This is lead gen and list building. We have the middle of your funnel, which for a lot of us, we ignore the middle of the funnel, right? Like, yay, they're on my mailing list. I'm going to send out emails. And then the next time I launch, hopefully people will buy. And then we have the bottom of the funnel. Mm -hmm. The bottom is that point of purchase, right? Mm -hmm. And then they move into their customer journey with us. Mm -hmm. If you want to generate more revenue, one simple place to begin is at the bottom of the funnel, looking at two things. The first is raising the price of your program. Huh. So right now, if you think about your program pricing, I'm curious to know if you have, like when the last time you increased the rate was and your relationship to the price, right? Because for some of us, I know for me, if I raise my price anymore, it like does not really feel aligned for me. Mm -hmm. So we have to have pricing alignment, but I'm just curious about 
where you're at around simply increasing the price of your membership. Yeah, I have not increased the price at all since I started it three years ago. Yeah. And yeah. so, I, yeah, there, there might be something there. And I mean, I have increased the price of my one-on-ones. However, I always say that I don't think I'm going to be one of those coaches that charges $10,000 to work with me, mainly because I'm working with people with their money. Yeah. And so even if they can afford it, they're, they're going to have a very different mindset around that. And I really want to be able to support them where they are at in that mm-hmm. phase to be able to get them to a different place. So that's why I'm more about in some ways about the numbers, like how, you know, increasing more people rather than increasing the price to a certain point. Okay. If the answer is no, I support that. I really do. I, you and I have the same mindset around pricing, mm-hmm. but do you feel like there's room for a price increase on a program that now has a three-year track record? Sure. Yeah. I do think that there could be. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to say that I think that sometimes I get stuck on a certain price, right? Like <laughs> to, <laughs> on the original price that I thought of because, you know, it did take me a while to kind of come up with that price too. It was a very deliberate and intentional price point. Mm-hmm. And of course, it has done well because even in my first launch, it was, you know, I had probably 75 to 80 members join. Yeah. You know, I know that it it was very deliberate when I yes. chose that price. Okay. And you don't have to review it with us now, but I'm just wondering if you could take that same deliberate energy and intentionality to review the prices with the intention of landing at some sort of a price increase. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. What would you suggest as a process, though? I, I would love to be, <laughs> mainly because of what you had just said about how, like, you know, who do you want to be, right? Like, there's, I feel like there is a different energy when you're, when you're up leveling in so many ways, right? And so that same energy that I used before when I was looking at the price is not the same energy I, I need to bring into it this time. Oh, wow. Great. Great question. So for me, when it comes to raising prices, one of the first things I look at is what is the track record of the program, right? So do I now feel confident that this is a proven process that warrants a price increase? Number two, and it's never a clean equation, but I want to get as clear as possible on my cost per student. Hmm. So how do I do that? I look at our client success manager, how many hours a week or a month or for the year do they put in serving the community? We divide that number by the number of community members all of our overhead for our course platform and our upgraded Zoom subscription and all of the things we invest to deliver the program. Mm-hmm. We take we add those up and divide it by the number of students to get pretty darn close, right, to what is our cost per student. And sometimes just seeing that number really illuminates things. 
uh, we know our profit margin for the year. At the, the end of the year comes and I know how profitable the business is, but what's the profit right. margin per student? Mm-hmm. And often that number is the thing that makes me realize, oh, we're doing so much. Yes. Mm-hmm. There, there's, it's a necessity to increase the price. Mm. This is cool because this is, yeah, like it's so funny. Like I, I track numbers in all these other ways and then, but I don't track these kinds of numbers. And so this is really a cool way to look at it. This is also a really important step to take if you ever consider some sort of scholarship program. Because I think a lot of times we just think, all right, I'm going to do scholarships. How about 50%, right? And now if your cost per student is not above 50%, you're losing money offering scholarships, which is not actually a sustainable model, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the next thing I look at is the emotional benefit to students coming in of investing at a higher level. And I'm not pulling some sort of online business, like in charge your worth. This is not, that's not what we're doing here. Okay? <laughs> but I'll tell you, we increased the pricing for Hive members at the end of the year last year. And I'll explain why. Once people finished their first year, they moved into an ongoing month-to-month subscription of less than half of what folks were now paying in their first year. And when I looked at, it wasn't everybody, but it was enough people who were in that year too. I looked at them, I'm like, oh my goodness, they're in the program because it's cheap. They're not here because they want to push themselves and grow. And you know, they were coming to a call every maybe once a quarter and asking the same question they asked the last quarter. Like I saw, I am not helping them by being the most affordable show in town because they're hanging out here thinking they're working on their business, but they're not. I could theorize, right? Because I'm not in their heads, but I could really see based on their behavior, how important it was to get a, to get more skin in their game. So that emotional equation was really the deciding factor for me to increase those prices because it just wasn't wasn't serving people. Mm-hmm. So what would that piece, evaluating the emotional benefit and the tangible benefit? Because I guess that's another piece with the Hive. I know if you work the courses in the Hive, your business is going to be successful. We've got proof to that. Mm-hmm. So what do I need to charge you in order for you to – work the program. Mm. And that $199 a month was not cutting it at Mm. all for people. Mm. So as you hear me share that piece, what would a similar lens to evaluate look like for you? I think it's really looking at, it could be even looking at the success and who's in the program and what are they getting out of it too? I mean, it's, you know, I need to do some more reach out to the community too and do some surveys and research. Yeah. Find out for them what, especially when you look at the people who finished the program, Mm -hmm. right? What are the tangible benefits and those soft or intangible emotional benefits? Mm -hmm. And so if there are people in your program who aren't finishing, Mm -hmm. they're missing out on those benefits. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So then we're going to move. I'll have to have you back. We'll have to have a whole nother conversation about creating a client success pathway. <laughs> so then like, how do we serve them more to yes. help them finish? But then also like, are my prices aligned? Are my prices motivating enough for people to show up and do the work? Mm-hmm. Yes. I think that's, that's a very key point as well. If we just price to be affordable, more often than not, that's not actually helping people get what they want. Yeah. And I've noticed that because usually during my launches, I'll actually offer one person a chance, like we do a drawing and I offer one person a chance to actually get into the program for free, really. I mean, they get, you know, they get a whole year's worth of, you know, being in the membership. And I've noticed every single year, the person that wins that, like they don't, they end up not showing up. Even if they tell me they're going to, they end up not, they end up just totally ghosting (laughs) and not being around, you know, whereas yes, the paid members are like, yeah, I'm showing up, I'm doing this. And, and also like, they want to make this the year that things change for them. Yeah. 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 Okay. So do you feel like you have enough to think about now in order to land at updated prices? Yes. Okay. So there's the so there's one bottom of your funnel tweak that we can make to increase your revenue. Mm-hmm. Another bottom of the funnel tweak we can make to increase your revenue. Now this is about volume, right? Bringing more getting more people to the bottom of that funnel. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What, if any, areas do you feel you could improve on when it comes to member referrals? Hmm. I definitely could do even more ambassador referrals, have more different kinds of people coming into my world. I have some solid leads and then I, you know, a lot of really great people have referred Mm -hmm. me, you know, to their communities and, you know, all that kind of good stuff. And now after I think doing this for three years, it's like our audiences are so enmeshed. Enmeshed. (laughs) All total overlap. Yeah. Right. Exactly. (laughs) That so many of them have already been in my world. So now it's like, okay, more different different types of people, right? Yeah. Yeah. Needs to know about me. So as a top of funnel strategy, we'll come to that next. It -hmm. sounds like increasing your referral partnerships. Yes. Okay. Do you have any sort of student ambassador program? So I really distinguish the referral partnerships from a student referral funnel. Do you have anything like that in place right now? No, actually. Uh, Okay. (laughs) So here you have a student sitting at the bottom of the funnel who's a super fan. Mm -hmm. This is, we're like, we're we're kicking it old school, Katie. This is client surge, just re 2.0. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) They want to shout from the rooftops how impactful your program has been for them. And they need a structured environment in order. It's like, we need to give them a permission structure. So I'm going to really encourage before your next launch to formalize, this sounds so official, a student referral program. 
So people, and it's not just here's some, like send your friends, it's sign up to be a referral ambassador. When they fill in the form and sign up, they're more invested, right? Arming them with marketing tools, thinking, okay, they probably don't have a list, so I've got to give them some text message scripts to share. Mm Mm-hmm. Some maybe some social posts, but really what I have found with student referrals is encouraging people to send three friends, right? Mm-hmm. And have their actions be more high touch. Two of those three friends will, are likely to, to, to sign up. I've got uh, student referral marketing materials that I will share with you. Um, oh, that you're welcome to model. I'll share with you after our recording today. Okay. okay. Perfect. And then some sort of incentive, right? So a commission. Some people are money motivated. Others are not. Mm-hmm. I have had even more luck putting together like bingo prizes almost. So here's a gift box of my favorite candles. And here's a board game I play with my husband a lot. And here are five different things that you can choose from. For everyone who sends someone who joins the program, you're going to get one of these five gifts. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's a, a pretty simple opportunity to increase, to take advantage of the bottom of the funnel, mm-hmm. right? And now people are moving right from the bottom of the funnel, sending their friends up to the top of the funnel. Mm-hmm. What I have found lastly on this piece is to have your students recommend the program And then mention, and Katie's got an intro class, right? Whenever your webinars happen. Mm -hmm. Are they going to happen again in December? Yes. Okay. Whenever your webinars happen in December. So I'm recommending the program and you can find out more at this intro class. Where a lot of times with your uh, referral partners, your other businesses, the angle for them is to recommend the masterclass. We want your students really talking about the value of the program and telling their friends they can learn more by coming to the class. Perfect. Okay. So we've got two bottom of funnel actions to increase your revenue. The first one is a price increase. Thank you so much for asking that question about how to approach the price increase. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the second one is taking advantage of your track record and making it easy for the people who really want to tell their friends about it to do so. Perfect. Any questions about that piece before we move on? No, that's, yeah, it's very clear. And it's, yeah, I don't know why I haven't thought about it before. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're just too close to it, right? Yes, yes. Okay. We even had somebody in the membership just recently say she wants to refer us, refer the program to her friends. (laughs) Right. And we're like, great, thank you. But you you had so much success with client surge. So think about that client surge model and how it would apply to a student referral program. Great. Wouldn't it be great if you could just build your business focusing on your strengths I see too many coaches struggling to fit into a certain mold and they ignore the easy path. So let's put an end to that. What I want you to do is go to dallastravers.com slash quiz. I've put together a 45 second superpower quiz designed to reveal two things. Number one, 
the very next step in your business, whether that's list building, client attraction, or scaling with a course, and number two, the natural strength you possess to help you accomplish that task. When you get your results, you'll also get a custom-built toolkit with actionable items you can put in place right away to finally make this growth path simpler because you're doing what you do best. So the link again is dallastravers.com slash quiz. Go and check it out and then let me know on Instagram how you scored. So who do you need to be in order to implement on these two bottom of funnel adjustments that we have decided on? It's really just implementing it for me. I, th- I don't know if I really need to be super different or <laughs> anything because yeah, I've, I've actually done it, you know, yeah. in, in client surge when I was first getting started and doing my one-on-ones. So. Yeah. Great. Yeah. I feel the same way. Yeah. Perhaps one of the the metrics or the post-launch conversations you have now moving forward as the CEO of your company mm-hmm. is with every launch, the team and I are going to identify one easy crack to fill at the bottom of the funnel. So we're going to look in, like inside of the program. What's an easy crack we can fill to layer in for the next launch? Mm-hmm. Because we also don't want to fix something that is not broken and your launches are successful. So now we just Mm -hmm. improve, right, instead of transform. Okay. Can we talk about the top of the funnel now? Yes. (laughs) Okay, cool. Great. (laughs) So top of the funnel, this is lead gen, right, more eyeballs. You mentioned earlier that you do a five-day challenge every year. What Mm -hmm. are other top of funnel lead gen or list building actions that you and your team implement? Um, Participate in summits, do podcast interviews. We've done some lead magnet swaps. And I think those are the main things. Great, great. Are there any top of funnel actions that have not really, that don't feel like they're worth your effort? To be honest, like sometimes um, podcasts are not, I mean, it, it just really depends. But, but you know, I don't seem to see a lot of traction with podcasts. Yeah. Yep. Great. So how would you feel about saying yes to podcast invitations when they come, but not putting any energy into getting yourself booked mm-hmm. on podcasts? Yeah. That's... We can- Sounds right. (laughs) Yeah. We can take that energy and put it elsewhere. Yes. So are there any top of funnel actions that you already do where you, that you feel are kind of your bread and butter when it comes to top of funnel? It's definitely the five day challenge. Yeah. That's the main one. And the reason why I do it every year. And then some years I've actually done it twice in a year because it's the last one brought in the most people. I mean, it had like I had 400 people sign up for, yeah. you know. Yeah. So. so what I look at often, I think we ask the wrong question, right? Like, okay, what else should I do? So we're doing 27 things at the top of the funnel and not, maybe not doing any of them excellently because there's just not enough time or energy, 
right? right. So instead, the first thing I look at is where can I go deeper? Hmm. So it sounds like we talked a little bit before we started recording and you've got your challenge now on lock, right? You're, you just, the last one you ran, you felt like, wow, am I, is this a challenge? Because it doesn't feel challenging to me. My team's doing such a good job. (laughs) Yes. So I wonder if there, so I'll ask you the question instead of giving a suggestion. If we were to go deeper on your, on your five-day challenge, what would going deeper look like? It's probably running it more times than just the once a year. Yeah. And yeah. And I think that before when I ran it twice a year, I also wasn't really selling anything into it. Um, Mm -hmm. I think the reason I kind of stopped doing it twice a year was because I do this soft launch like at the end of it and then because that and that takes up so much time and energy (laughs) that then I'm like okay now I don't want to do more than just one a year right right yeah so the reason my understanding the reason you soft launch at the end of the challenge is for those people who loved the challenge and want to keep going Yes. Right? It's kind of, it's not fair to them to say, thanks for coming to my challenge. I'll see you in December. (laughs) Right? Okay. So I'm going to put a pin in that because what I heard you say was doing the challenge more often is aligned until you think about launching at the end of every challenge. And then that starts to feel like too much. Am I understanding things? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Okay. So if the challenge is what works, my suggestion is, what if you hosted the challenge three times next year? So every four months, you're doing the challenge. What that means, okay, I'm, I'm thinking on the fly here. I'm not going to get the dates right, so I'm going to get close enough where it can kind of be a framework, okay? Mm-hmm. But perhaps the only challenge that you promote to your list is the August challenge, right? Mm -hmm. And that August challenge is the one where you still have a soft launch because the program's actually starting. It's the the actual program is on the horizon. It wouldn't really make sense to soft launch it in April if it doesn't start. Right. Exactly. So the other two challenges are strictly list building challenges. Hmm. And strictly having promo partners. So it's really, A, you're not overwhelming your list with, oh, okay, here's Katie doing the thing she it feels like she does every month, another challenge, right? We're mm-hmm. creating a special experience for your audience. But now those other two challenges are strictly list builds. We're assuming these people are coming in ice cold. So they're not really likely to be ready to invest in a year-long program with you if they just met. Mm-hmm. So those challenges can be on rinse and repeat. Maybe you've got January and May. I'm kind of, again, making that up a little bit. You do a January challenge, you do a May challenge, and then the August one is where you're promoting it to your list. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then post-challenge for those people who might be ready is one email, right? Mm-hmm. Saying, I have a signature program. It always starts in January. If you'd like to get on the list for that, let me know. And here's something you can do in the meantime. And maybe it's a a list of recommended books, Mm -hmm. right? Or a couple of worksheets pulled 
directly out of your program. Mm-hmm. How does that feel? It feels good. And I there is something within me that's a little bit like, ah, like, am I going to be able to handle that? <laughs> Yeah. Doing it that many times a year, and and then the yeah the amount of work that goes into it. Great. Okay. So who do you need to be? And I'm just you know we're brainstorming here. You can walk away from this and say I'll, I'll do it twice, but I'm not doing it three times. Right? We're just we're just brainstorming here. Yes. But who do you need to? Assuming that three challenges a year is going to bring in twelve hundred people or more right, to your list every year. Mm -hmm. Um, Who do you need to be in order for three challenges a year to be a hell yes? I think I need to be somebody who is way, like just somebody who's delegating it even more so (laughs) than I am now. Yes, yes. Yeah, and i that's why I asked the question because you said, I don't know if I can handle the work, but what if you didn't have to handle the work? Yeah. I think okay. that this is probably the crux of what is preventing me from moving into the next level and the next level, right? Yes. It's like this understanding or kind of just this belief, this misunderstanding that I need to do more and I need to work even harder than I am now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is evidence of what I shared at the top of our conversation. To get to 60K in your business, that is just brute force that gets us there, (laughs) right? And then to break the six-figure mark, it's kind of more brute force, but at that point, we're starting – we've got at least a VA, right? Yes. So we develop such deeply rooted behavioral habits – all designed for us to work more and for us to work harder because that's how it all began. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Right? So, of course, our default is, okay, what more do I have to do? Or, okay, now I'm just not going to have a life because I have to do – I came on this stupid podcast and now I'm doing three challenges every year. (laughs) But imagine what it would be like for you and your team, even this month, because you're on – folks, we're recording this at the end of August, you're on the heels of a challenge. So it's fresh mm-hmm. in everybody's minds. What if you? What if it began with you and your team having a meeting and you saying, we're going to do this three times a year. And in order for that to happen, we need more promo partners, mm-hmm. right? You got a much bigger pipeline for that. And the team needs to be able to run the challenge. I, Katie, can only show up and teach. So let's brainstorm what needs to happen in order for that to be the truth. And you let your team lead that. Yeah. Yeah. And some things have already come up, right, around that, because we talked about even for December needing more promo partners. And and then it's it feels like, and I don't know if this is actually the truth, but sometimes it feels like it's like, okay, now it's back onto me to actually be the one to ask. (laughs) rather than someone else on my team taking that on. One thing that I have done with my team in the past, and it feels so, it feels like the opposite of the kind of leadership I want to do, but it's been really effective, is for us to have a success metric that we measure every week, which is 
How many times did you come to Dallas to get the answer to a question? (laughs) How many times did you assign something to Dallas in a sauna instead of doing it yourself, assigning it to someone, or having a conversation about bringing another, another team member in? And what we were looking for was that number to trend down. Because if I have gotten to, if I've built my business as a solopreneur just by hard work, I'm showing up as a leader with that belief. So now my team, consciously or not, they pick up on that. So if your team is, if you have a meeting, this is for everybody. If you end a team meeting with more work on your plate, that that is not leadership. You're still operating as a solopreneur. So mm-hmm. I want to just encourage you to share this part of our conversation with your team and now everybody can stretch because they've just gotten really good at behaving as mirroring at mirroring your behavior and now everyone needs to train themselves to think a little bit differently. Yes, that's very true. I know that that's on me too. It's mm-hmm. on me to grow and and start to let go. And in some ways it's also like I know that it's also part of our ego, right? My my ego of like like oh I'm the only one who can do this, or and I need to let that go too. And it's you know it's so much in my DNA to be a hard worker was one of the reasons why I actually wanted to start my own business because I was like I work so hard for all of these other companies. You know I was a TV producer and a development executive. And, you know, I was like, I work so hard bringing in so much money for these companies. I really just want to bank on myself and do it for myself. And so part of that hard work DNA is so built into me and like part of every bit of my being. And in some ways it's like, I really want to let that go as well, because I know that there is a different way to do things. And I know through even my work of manifestation and those kinds of things that it's actually better and it creates more flow. And, you know, when we're more easeful and we're not pushing so hard to get the thing that we want. Yeah, I totally relate. And yet I struggle with this. This is probably the the piece I struggle with the most in my leadership. (sighs) Even just Mm -hmm. this idea that, well, it's my company, the buck stops with me, Mm -hmm. is true and harmful all at the same time. (laughs) Right? Right? So maybe it it doesn't have to be 100% true. What if it was 51% true? Mm -hmm. Right? So I propose that we leave our – we've got more to talk about. We've got to talk about the middle of the funnel. But I propose that you go to your team proposing three challenges next year right? And proposing that they lead the challenges and see what comes. If you have to, you can skip the one in the middle when you get to the execution piece. But instead of trying to think of a fancy new thing to add to your top of funnel, let's just go deeper into what you know has worked and adjust things inside of your organization so that it's sustainable. Yes. That sounds good. Cool. I love it. Let's talk about the middle of the funnel. Okay. So I'm just curious what – I'm kind of putting you on the spot here. I feel like the top of the funnel is very clear. It's like bringing new people in, right? The bottom of the funnel is also pretty clear. It's 
point of purchase. What for you feels like the middle of the funnel? <laughs> That's what I was going to ask you. Like, what, what does middle of funnel even mean? I don't even know. <laughs> uh, um, well, it's the nurture phase, right? Mm. And I don't know if you relate to this, but I really, this is a weakness for me. Mm. When people are in my world, I unconsciously believe that if I if if I dance well enough, they're going to be so impressed that of course they're just going to want to join the hive, right? I don't have to do any work around that. So I nurture, 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 and forget to actually even talk about my program. And Brenna McGowan is such a whiz at this. She was in a recent episode. She is an expert at pre-launching. Mm-hmm. So you've got your launch down. Right? Mm -hmm. What if, so the webinars happen in December, but what if you started a pre launch in September? Mm -hmm. And actually, what if you started a pre launch in January? So, a couple of tips around that. Are you emailing your list weekly? Yes, twice a week. Twice a week. Great. Mm -hmm. So, we've got eight emails every single month that are going out, what if one of them was always a version of a case study, mm-hmm. right? So that's, you know, we're highlighting our student, Wilma, right? Here's a breakthrough that she had this month, and here's one tip that you can implement to do something similar. So you're still adding value, but now you're talking about the fact that you have students in a program. Mm-hmm right? We open enrollment every December, which might feel like it's a long ways away, but get on the list, the interest list now. Mm -hmm. So you could have one case study version of an email, right? And then one, what do we want to call this? Because it's not appropriate to send out a sales email for a program that's starting nine months away, Right. right? But it could be an interest like getting people on an interest list or helping people prepare. Oh, here. So what if we just assumed every January that every single person on your list is a yes for your December launch? Now we have to just relate to them as getting ready to be successful in the program. Mm -hmm. So if there were 12 steps, even 10, right? So once a month, we have essentially prep work. I'm using air quotes for our listeners here. So if you're sending an email to someone, sending a resource, sending a tool to someone who has said to you, ooh, I'm sad I missed it, but I'm already, I've already put my deposit down to start the next round of the program. What are some pieces of prep work that you would actually give to this person? Hmm. Interesting, yeah. Yeah, could be a book to read. It could be, but we're not being subtle about it, right? We're not saying, Mm -hmm. here's a book that I think is really helpful. It's, I want to get you ready to be successful in my program, and we've got time because doors don't open for months, but here's the first thing that you can do. Maybe it's a list of two or three mantras to practice this month. Yeah, something that that popped up was um, recently I was working with a one-on-one client and she brought in her partner and her partner wasn't ready to kind of do the work. And all of a sudden she was watching that How to Be Rich show and she said, 
she was like yelling at the TV, like, who has a Tesla but doesn't have enough money for groceries? (laughs) (laughs) And then my (laughs) client said, this is why I want you to work with Katie. (laughs) You know, I want us to both work together with Katie. (laughs) And so even that, right, like even seeing a show and seeing like other people's money issues kind of come up, right? It's like that has helped sparked that person to get them into my world (laughs) and start working together. Got it. So you're emailing your list twice a week. or t- yeah, So there's eight emails. One of those eight is going to be a direct case study of a graduate of your program. Mm-hmm. Another one is going to be explicitly, and I really want to encourage you to use language like, mm-hmm. I want to get you ready to be successful when the doors open. So mm-hmm. here's what we're working on this month. Mm-hmm. And then even invite them to reply back saying, I'm in. Right. Like, yes, Mm -hmm. I commit to watching the How to Get Rich show. Or, Mm -hmm. yes, I commit to reading this book or whatever the mini, mini micro assignment is. Mm -hmm. But now we're just relating to your subscribers as pre students instead Mm -hmm. of subscribers who I nurture. What does that even mean? And then when I launch, I cross my fingers. Mm -hmm. How does that land for you? Yeah, that lands. And where would, because, you know, so much of my content is actually like what is happening right now, right? Like my next blog post is actually about, and, you know, again, we're recording this in August, but in September, student loan interest counting comes back. And October 1st, most people have to start their student loan payments again. And so I'm talking about these things that are happening in real time in the world. That's what I write about a lot of times in my blog and newsletters and how to work with those things. Does that still apply to all of this? Yep. You have six other emails every single month where you get to do all of that. Okay. Got it. Right. And then there we've just two of the eight One is that case study and the other. The way I would approach the prep work email would be to ask myself, if there were 10 to 12 micro steps a future student made for them to just leap into the program, but more importantly, be super successful, Mm -hmm. what would those micro steps be? Yes. Got it. And you don't have to come up with new ones every year. No one's going to notice. You're sending so much excellent content. But I think those two emails have a different intention, mm-hmm. and it's to really prepare folks to enroll instead of this other thing we do, which is I'm going to give you so much value that you're just going to feel like you owe me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. My social media manager actually asked me this question after the five-day challenge, which is – and she she doesn't think it's the answer is yes, but she did ask like, do you think you're giving so much that people don't feel like they need to work with you? It's a valid question and one we should all consider often. Mm-hmm. And it's the answer is always really nuanced. One thing I know, and I'm going to guess it's even more accurate with your audience. Mm-hmm. 
my circumstance is unique. And yeah, you're giving these great tools, but I now want, need to be in a container to yes. work on these tools in a safe and sustainable way. Yes, I agree. Yeah. I totally 100% agree with that. And the thing is, and this is the answer that I came up with during that time when she asked me this question was, I was like, it was actually an example of you because when I first was introduced to you and I was on like one of your uh, workshops or classes, I was like, wow, you're giving me so much great stuff. Like what would it feel like to actually work with you? Like it's, I didn't feel like, oh, you're giving me so much now I'm going to go off and do this on my own. I actually felt the opposite. I felt like, you're giving so much that if this is what you do for free, I I, I want to see what it's like to work with you. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. And so one easy solution on that is to narrate the, exactly what we talked about here, mm -hmm. right? So you have a post where you're breaking down how to work your student loan payments back into your monthly budget. And you can say, like, I, if this was helpful – just know, you know, just know that you can you can gain a lot by implementing this on your own, but mm -hmm. we can 10x that when you're in a safe coaching container, mm -hmm. which is why I have this program, get on the interest list. Yes. So that's that middle of funnel piece is actually saying the quiet part out loud, <laughs> right? Yeah. I'm nurturing you because I want to give you value and help you realize if you're getting this for free, what's it going to be like in the program? We actually just say that part out mm -hmm. loud to help people climb that awareness ladder. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's another piece of the who do I need to be? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So who is that? It's a person that is... Being able to just say out loud, like, yeah, what my needs are too, right? And mm. how I can help somebody instead of just assuming that they understand and know <laughs> or feeling shy about it, you know, feeling like, okay, they they don't want to be sold to, so don't actually say the things out loud. Yes. That feels like it's salesy anyway. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's so beautifully said. Being the person who also expresses what you need. I feel like I needed to hear that today. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. All right. So our goal at the beginning of this conversation was to find ways to break through an income glass ceiling. We've got action steps for top of funnel, middle of funnel, and the bottom of the funnel. Do you have any uh, final thoughts or questions around the plan that we developed today before we wrap up our time together? No, this was great. This was so comprehensive and I loved it. I love this conversation and I hope, I hope it actually helps other people too, because I think this is so good. Thank you. I'm sure that it will. And it's just a really great place to a great lens to look at our businesses, right? Like what am I actually doing at the top of the funnel and where can I go deeper? And oh, right, there is a middle of the funnel. Am I relating to it in that way? And where are easy gaps I can fill at the bottom? So Katie, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It was really good to have you back. Thank you so much, Dallas. You're welcome. Thanks everybody for listening. We'll see you back here next week. 
Thank you so much for tuning in to Coaches on a Mission. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, follow, rate, and review. Do all of the things (laughs) to show your support for this show. It is so helpful for us, and it also helps other coaches find this show. If you want to take this episode further, please follow me on Instagram. I'm Dallas Travers Biz Mentor, and every week I turn our episode into a week-long mini course on my Instagram page. It's designed to help you apply what we talk about during the episode to your business in a super tangible way. So let's be Insta friends. Head on over to Instagram and look for my new handle. Again, it's Dallas Travers Biz Mentor. You can do that now and you just might find some funny reels while you're there. So believe me when I tell you, it'll be worth it. Okay, thanks again for tuning in. I truly appreciate that you make time to listen to this show and I hope you have a wonderful week.